morning, everyone. Welcome to Ecclesia. If you're visiting us for the first time, you're very welcome. Um, I just got this overwhelming sense as we was going through, you know, listening to the, um, the worship, that what God has done in and amongst us in my life, um, leaving school without any um, qualifications, hardly educated, struggled to read all my life. Um, even when we're at community group, you know, we go around the room and each person has to read a verse as we go through the text. So I always count the people until it comes to my turn. And then I read the text about three or four times before it comes around to me, not to make a fool of myself. Um, so I'm here today and I've read through this a lot of times. Um, it's helped me to appreciate the teaching of the pastors and what they go through in bringing a, you know, an hour's worth of long message at the weekend on a Sunday. That um, you know, there's a lot of studying involved. You know, I've been up till like one thirty, two thirty during the week, and you know, I have to get up for work at six. So I can appreciate, you know, the the the, the difficulty of of preparing a message. So you know, it just helps me to learn to appreciate what these guys do, um, and I hope. It does for you as well. Um, so, let me ask you this. How many books have you started but not finished? Have you ever had the intention of reading through the Bible in a year but not reached that goal? Have you ever started jobs, you know, you start jobs around the house and you never finish them? And every time like, I go to pull the curtains in my room, I see this one hook that is hanging down, virtually falling off. And it reminds me that I need to fix it. Have you ever said, I'm going to read the word this morning? Well, no, not this morning. I'll read it tonight. And um, you pick up your Bible. You're lying in bed. You read the first verse. And before you know it, you're snoring. You're asleep. How about prayer? I ain't got time to pray this morning, so um, I'll pray tonight. Dear Lord, and you're gone. Who remembers um, Magnus Magnuson, that Magnus Magnuson phrase, the catchphrase, I've started, so I'll finish. You see, God isn't like us. What God starts, God finishes. God never gives up. Imagine if the Bible began like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that was it. In today's study, we'll be looking in the book of Philippians. I can never say that right. Philippians. Um, Philippians is a great epistle to read when you're feeling spiritually low or discouraged. In this book, we will get a glimpse at the heart and the character of the Apostle Paul. We will see the peace and the joy he has, no matter what his circumstances. It's a book that helps us to, un- helps us to understand that we can have that same joy that Paul had, no matter what we're going through. It's a joy that's not dependent on prosperity or success or what kind of day you're having. Good day, joy. Bad day, no joy. It's not an emotional joy or a joy based on mood, but it's an attitude. 
It's the joy of Christ that's from Christ. It has great verses like, and verses we all know, and we can quote them all the time. But they're all based in this book. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Love that verse. When we're worried and stressed, 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in, his, in glory, in grace of Jesus Christ. Do all things, it says in chapter 2 verse 3, do all things do, sorry, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Another great verse. 4.4 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say, rejoice. Paul wrote this letter whilst chained up in prison between two Roman soldiers awaiting possible death. He writes it to encourage the Philippian Christians. One of the encouraging things I got when reading this book was that in the midst of dire circumstances, Paul is not angry or bitter He's not discouraged or disillusioned. His focus is not on himself or on his situation. Isn't it remarkable that Paul is thinking of others, of Christ and the gospel, and not himself as he awaits his trial in Rome? Paul said this, I have learnt in whatever situation I am in to be content. Paul chose to rejoice. The word rejoice or rejoicing appears 19 times throughout this epistle. Christ is mentioned 18 times and the gospel six times in the first chapter alone. Today's message is called Under Construction. Under Construction. So let's pray before we get into our text today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, for your love and your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your overwhelming joy that you have placed in us. Thank you, Father, that you've set us free from the wages of sin and the penalty of sin. Lord, I just pray that your word today would open our hearts and our minds and bring comfort to us, Father God, in a world that is full of craziness. Lord, we pray for peace at time. We pray that this word, our eyes and our ears will be open and attentive to what you have to say to us through the book of Philippians. Lord, I pray that you would increase and I would decrease. It's not me, Lord, it's you, Father God. And I quote that verse again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In my own strength, I would not be up here. Absolutely no way. But Lord, I just thank you for your work in my life, in our lives 
And that would, that would continue in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the ESV verses 1 to 6. Nice and short. Short verses, long message. <laughs> you forget my name is Michael Prendergast. I'm one of the Prendergast, part of the Prendergast family. We don't do nothing short. <laughs> okay. Everyone there? Say ah. <laughs> okay. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi, and the overseers with the deacons. Sorry, with the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you all and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. I give thanks. I, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Today we are going to touch on some of the surrounding verses of chapter 1 to 6. But our main focus will be on verse 6. So let's look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you all and peace from our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says to all the saints, saints is a, the word they use for Christians in the New Testament. Um, only by virtue of being in him and having our sins forgiven by his blood can we be called saints. He says to the overseers, in a general sense, this meant those with leadership responsibilities, those that shepherded and pastored the flock, people like Pastor Rob and Pastor Ephraim. To the deacons, those who had recognized positions of service. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that you cannot have the peace of God until you have experienced the grace of God? Satiety today is looking for peace through relationships, through fame, peace through drugs and alcohol. There are books out there that want to tell you how you can find inner peace and happiness. Internet sites, 10 tips on how to have inner peace. It's only when you have personally responded, <coughs> responded to the grace of God, that is God's unmerited favor poured out at Calvary, only then can you experience the peace of God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He said, Peace I give, sorry, peace I leave you with. Peace, uh, sorry, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
True peace comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at verses 3 to 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Like Paul, do we thank God when we remember all those people that he has placed in our lives during our Christian walk? It's those people that when we think about them, they bring, us, they bring great joy to our hearts. People that have helped us and prayed for us in times of difficulty. The pastors that have contributed to our spiritual growth. Those that may have gently and kindly and lovingly rebuked us when we've needed it. People that we've served with in different areas of the ministry. Sometimes I think back to fellowshipping on a Sunday afternoon after church when a brother and sister have opened up their homes for the benefit of others. Going on mission to Jamaica with 40 brothers and sisters. I thank God for that experience. Sitting down with Sister Angela and I can see her niece right there. What a blessing to have you with us, sis. Sitting down with Sister Angela and listening to her wonderful te- the wonderful testimonies of her gospel sharing adventures. As Pastor E would say, adventures in the Lord. <laughs> Friday nights out in Brixton sharing the gospel. I was at the wedding yesterday of a guy called Rob Hughes, who's uh, an evangelist. He's been, there, been up in Leicester Square for years. You know, we used to go out together on a Friday night, meet up and go out and share the gospel in, in Leicester Square. Learned so much from that brother. You know, great, great memories. What we see is when Paul thinks back at his partnership in the gospel with the Philippians, it was of great joy to him while he was in prison. He recalls Lydia and her household being saved in the book of Acts. The poor slave girl, the the jailer, who found Christ. Let me ask you this. How will your past and present spiritual walk affect your remembrance in the future? Will it be like Paul's, a source of great joy to you? Let's look at verse 6. This is my main text for for today. We're going to sit and camp and unpack and it may be a verse that we've kind of skimmed over read through and not really sat and thought about it and listened to it and contemplate it and chew it up and spit it out and chew it up and eat it again but it is a great verse and there is so much in there this felt this verse is filled with nutrients and nuggets that will aid our spiritual growth my prayer is that this verse will bring you great peace and comfort <clears throat> Question, do you know that God has started a good work in you? Do you know that God has started a good work in you? It's that point in time when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, when he saved you from your sins. Note that 
it was he that saved you. No amount of good works or trying to be good people can save us. Psalm 3.8a says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Isaiah 43.11 says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no other saviour. So that rules out Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, all those, rules them out straight away. No other saviour. At the point of, of repentance and trust in Jesus Christ, you were justified. It means to, to be declared or to be made righteous in the sight of God. Here's another way to describe it. Just as though I'd never sinned. Then he started the process of sanctification and regeneration in our lives. Sanctification is that continual growth as a Christian. It's when God takes our personalities, our characters, and starts a work of reprogramming it. Refining it. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God wants to conform us into the likeness of his son. We were justified at the point of salvation. Now we are in the process of being sanctified. But one day we will be glorified. Amen to that. Notice that Paul says that you can be sure. You can be sure. It means to be fully and firmly persuaded or to be convinced. Paul was entirely convinced of the truth of what he said. It's the language of a man who had no doubt on the subject. How many of you know that... (laughs) I know Mark's going to laugh at this. How many of you know if, 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 if Robert wasn't a pastor... He would make a great salesman. (laughs) How many of us have brought things on the back of Pastor Rob's recommendations? (laughs) You see, a salesman wants to persuade us or to convince us that he has something that we need. Notice that Paul says that God has begun it. I'm glad that God didn't say that he would start it and then leave it to me to complete it. I would have jacked it up. I would have blown it. This means that if we are not in charge of our own spiritual growth, sorry, this means that we are not in charge of our own spiritual growth. God is. That should bring great comfort to us all. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says that not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. 
So if God is in charge, does that mean that I ain't going to sin no more? No. Does it mean that I'm not going to have sinful thoughts? No. Does it mean that I won't have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? No, because we are all still flesh. So question, how will I know that God is changing me? How will I know that God is changing me? This is how we know. When God's goals become our goals. When our goals are eternal and not temporal. When you start loving the things that God loves. What do you think that your life would look like now if he hadn't started that good work in you? What do you think your life would look like now if God hadn't started that good work in you? Would you be in the clubs and pubs? Would you be addicted to drink and drugs? A fornicator? A womanizer? A lover of self? How about a lover of money? Self-righteous? How about a God-hater? People hate God because he interferes with their moral standing. Because if God exists, then lying's wrong. Lusting is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Abortion's wrong. Would you still be out there trying to make it through this life without purpose, without direction, and without hope? How many of you know that outside of Christ, there is no hope? You're born, you live, and then you die. And that's it? Is that all there is to life? I can't believe that. Think about it. What would your life look now like now if God hadn't begun a good work in you? It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean when you were chosen, because Ephesians 1 4 says that he chose us before the foundations of the world. I know that I used to think that life was all about me, my, and I. Pumping iron. <laughs> Looking buff. <laughs> Friday night clubbing. Weekenders away with the boys. Boozers. Football. Vanity. Me, me, me. The devil will sometimes try to bring up your past. He wants, to, he wants to get us to reminisce on our BC years, our years before we were Christians. He wants to get us to look back. Philippians again says, Paul says, brothers, 
So many great verses in this book. Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Here's something that Pastor Roberts quoted to me a lot of times. But my wife went and found the, the, whole, the whole of it. Um, it's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He once said this. I may not be the man I want to be. I may not be the man I ought to be. I may not be the man I could be. I may not be the man, woman, that I can be. But praise God, I'm not the man I once was. That is such sweet music to our ears. Hopefully. So what is life like now, personally? Talking about me. Sorry. It's street preaching. We've been having a great time out in Lewisham Market. Sharing the gospel. Last two Saturdays of every month. We're praying for more of you to come out and join us. If anyone's interested, come and see me. Just a little plug there. I've seen the Lord open up an amazing door of opportunity for a weekly Bible study at my workplace. We have been having an amazing time in the Word and an amazing time in fellowship. We've seen God add others to the group slowly. Philippians, again, 2.13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who puts his will in us, and all we have to do is submit to it. Let me ask you this. Are you submitting to God's will for your life, or are you fighting against it? Are you sitting around, that's a big word, procrastinating (laughs) over something that God has laid on your heart that you know that he wants you to do? I'm speaking someone to, am I speaking to someone today? Let that resonate in your hearts. Moving on. Notice that Paul says that it's a good work. Why is it good? Because he's changing us to be more like Jesus. And that's good. How long will this good work take? Until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice that he says that he will complete it. That means that we are incomplete. We are complete in him positionally. But practically, we should all be wearing T-shirts that say, under construction. We are like a building that is being constructed by God. The first thing that needs to happen before any building can go up are the foundations. The foundations are the part of the building that no one sees. But it's the most important part of any building. Without it, when the wind and the rain and when the storms come, that building will come crashing down. 
are the foundations of your life built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, on the word of God, so that when the storms of life hit you like a ton of bricks, you are able to stand firm. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having, all, and having done all, stand firm. I know that he still has a lot of work to do in me. He's still working on the foundations of my life. How about you? What areas of your life do you think that God may want to touch? As I speak, something may come to mind. Something that you feel that the Lord may have been speaking to you about recently. How does God accomplish his building process in our lives? Through the Holy Spirit. Through his word as we read it and submit to it. He also accomplishes the building process by allowing people and circumstances in our lives that continually mould and shape us into the image of Christ. It may be that boss, that co-worker, that spouse, a family member, someone in church. Someone in church. The last one is one of the main reasons why many people church hop. Leaving churches because someone said something they didn't like. Rolled their eyes at them. Didn't say hello one morning. Let them down a few times. They didn't like church membership and the accountability that comes with it. Guess what? No matter what church you go to, you may encounter the same problem. Same old stone but with a different face. How does a blacksmith remove the impurities out of gold? By throwing it into the fire. God will sometimes allow us to go through the fire. Are you in a place today where you feel like you're going through the fires of life? As hard as it may seem, you will come out the other side stronger, better equipped, with a stronger character. You see, God is more interested in our holiness rather than in our happiness. Remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. How about Job? We all have those rough edges in our lives that the Lord wants to smooth down. Proverbs 27:17 says, "Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another." So ladies, ladies, the next time you want to complain about that husband to your family and to your girlfriend, fellas, the next time you want to complain about your wife to your co-workers, ultimately you're complaining against God. Why? Because he's allowed these things in our lives. Check this. 
Whatever has happened to you has been filtered through God's love for you, whether it was to correct you or to deliver you. Don't miss this point. God blesses and God allows. It may be from it may be that it may be from that person or circumstance that you can't let go of. But as Christians we can rest on Romans 8:28. And we all know for those who love who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Ladies, again, that husband of yours, he is still under construction. Singles, can't miss out the singles. Singles, that person you've had your eye on, that you want to be perfect before you'll show any interest in them, guess what? They are still under construction. And guess what else? (laughs) so are you took the words right out of my mouth Sylvia so are you fellas remember that wife of yours that you sometimes complain about guess what she is still under construction Philippians again 2.14 do all things without complaining and disputing Some things, a few things, a lot of things, all things. I don't know about you, but I struggle in that area. I'm going to hot up my wife now. No, actually, I'm going to hot up myself. About three weeks ago, Denise banged her head at work and she was suffering from a bit of concussion. Okay, it was more than a bit. At the time, three weeks ago, you know, at the time I was working on his teaching. So I started working on his teaching about three weeks ago. (laughs) Mum long. Every time I sat down to work on it, Denise would say, Mike, can you make me and Perry, 18-year-old Perry, (laughs) some bacon and eggs? Mike, you know I've got concussion. We need to take Ricky to his friend's party. Mike, will you cook the dinner? Mike, will you get Mackie a drink? Mike, will you bath the baby? Sit down. The toys need picking up. Get up. Sit down. The hoover needs doing. Get up. Sit down. The mopping needs doing. Mike, Mike, Mike. I can't tell you how many times I did a Muttley impersonation in my heart. How many of you remember Muttley? Check it. Do you know that most of our sins, most of the sins that we commit, no one sees? I knew if what was in my heart came out of my mouth... Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There would be 
Fire. <laughs> Check this, Mark. Right on cue, the abundance of my heart came flowing out of my mouth. I had to change my name to Snoopy, Scooby-Doo, Toto, Rex, Rover, Wellard for you East End fans. Why? Because I ended up in the doghouse. I love that boy. When God sets us a task, it's always good to get it right the first time. Because like that failed driving test, you're going to have to take it again. Just when I thought that Denise was getting better and all the might do this, might do that had finished, guess what? Her head started hurting again. But this time, I got it right. I did all things that I was called to do without complaining. You may be here today and feeling that you're in God's doghouse. You may be feeling that your walk isn't going the way that you think it should be because there are things going on in your life that shouldn't be there. It may be things that are going on in your heart that no one can see. They may have you thinking about getting out of the game and going back into the world, as some have. There are those that used to sing about the Lord that are now mocking Christianity, mocking the word of God. Our prayer, and we need to pray for these people, our prayer is that they are still under construction. But let us remember this. But for the grace of God, there go I. Our life must be based must not be based on people, on our pastors, on our spouses. It must be based on the rock, Jesus Christ. Why? Because people will sometimes let us down. Christians, God's love is never ending. Hebrews 13, 5b says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And in the Greek, it's more emphatic. It's I will never, no, never, no, never leave you or forsake you. You can rest assured that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Corinthians 1, 8 says, and I like what it says, how it says it in the contemporary English version. It says, until the day Jesus returns, he will keep you completely innocent or blameless. Blameless doesn't mean sinless or perfect. Check it. It means those against whom there is no charge of crime, for whom there is no grounds of accusation, referring to Satan, who is, a computer, who is the accuser of the brethren. We are blameless in the sight of God because we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not our own. 
Let me ask you this. What are you trying to do to make yourself more righteous? Are you trying to pray more? Read your Bible more? Are you trying to come to church more? These things are good and will help you grow in your walk. But they won't make God but they won't make God love you any more than he already does. He loves you he loves you whether you're having a good day or a bad day. Whether you're struggling. Finally, God's love is not dependent on what we do, but on what he has done. We can hold on to Philippians 1.6 and receive great comfort with this with our children. That child you raised a Christian only to see them stop walking with the Lord. Remember, he who has begun a good work in you, in them, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and his great, with, with, with great joy. Sorry, I didn't read that too well. Um, 1 Corinthians 8.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for your sins, then these promises are not for you. There is no payment for sin. I urge you to repent, turn from your sins, realize how bad they are in the sight of a holy and just God, and then put your faith and trust in Jesus so that God can start the process of sanctification in your life. First Corinthians 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered, or sorry, nor, nor the hearts of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Remember this, what God starts, God finishes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that your word would resonate in our hearts, in our spirits, in our souls, that we'd be able to hold on to verses like Philippians 1.6, verses that we can meditate on, that we can trust in, knowing that you will hold us through thick and thin, through good times, through hard times, through desperate times, knowing that you are Lord of our lives, that you strengthen us daily. Father God, we thank you for just the work you are doing in us and the work you would continue to do in us, Father God. We pray that you would just continue to bless and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.